0: All right. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Marathon Author. I'm James S. Aaron. And this is the podcast where it's like we're sitting down virtually to enjoy a beverage. And I tell you all the things that I screwed up last week. And you say, no, James, these are all the things that you did well. So you need to focus on those things. (laughs) And hopefully in the process, we can all learn something together. Right. So thanks for being here. I'm excited this week to announce a, a big development in the history of the podcast. I think we're, we're on like episode 38 or something now um, in the, uh, you know, <laughs> the ongoing process of doing trying to do this on a weekly basis when you've got a toddler and job changes and all that good stuff. But as of this week, as of today, you could potentially be listening to this podcast on two different streams. One might be the original stream with the hardcore audience who's been with me from the beginning. Um, and then the new stream, which could be the Keystroke Medium network with Keystroke Medium. And I'm really excited to be on board. I am excited about uh, the new audience and being able to hang out with everybody and kind of share you know, my process with everyone. And also, you know, if you've got feedback from me, I'm excited to hear that too. So, so yeah, I, I wanted to take some time this episode to kind of introduce myself to you if you have no idea who I am, um, if we haven't interacted on Facebook or in the the keystroke medium group or something like that. Um, talk about where I came from and then what this podcast is about. So I'm gonna I'm gonna jump around a little bit, which is something that I tend to do, and I ask you to hang with me because while I can't really. Uh, you know record these shows live I do record them pretty much as about as raw as it gets I don't do a lot of editing unless I figured out that I was saying you know um every 30 seconds or if there were gaps or if the dog decides to start barking or my daughter knocks on the door and wants to hang out with me then there might actually be a gap and some editing that needs to be done but otherwise this is just like you and me hanging out and I'm talking about about things so so yeah um what is this podcast I envision this podcast as me sitting down having a beer with myself from 2013. So where am I now, and why would that guy in 2013 even want to talk to me? Well, I am publishing my 15th novel this week with M.D. Cooper, Mal Cooper, who we all know. And I am working on two different contracts, one with Athon Books, another with Variant Publications, which is Jeff Cheney's publishing company. And I'm writing full time, which is a goal that I've had my entire life. That goal has worked out differently than I kind of expected it to. And the path to get here has been different than I expected. But here I am. And <laughs> it's it's pretty likely the guy back in 2013 would want to talk to me. <laughs> and 2013 was a big year for me because I had been... I had basically spent the last four years trying to start a business on the side of my regular job. I started a craft distillery, which was kind of a big change for me. And I reached a point where I knew the business was not going to succeed, or at least I could not succeed in the business anymore. And that was my introduction to kind of small business, small business planning, getting business loans, managing like all the things that go along. If you can... like, You might not be familiar with what it takes to distill alcohol, but you've probably been in a brewery. So imagine what that looks like with the tanks, the equipment, the everything that goes into that. That's what we had. Um, and I realized like looking on paper that it wasn't going to make money. Like I was not going to make, be able based on the sales we'd had for the past two years to continue with the business. And that was a really difficult moment for me. Um, I liken it to, it felt like a divorce, (laughs) especially because there'd been a falling out with my business partner and I. So once I had basically taken all the steps to kind of separate from that, I was still a person that really liked to have something to do and I had always been a writer and I'll talk about this. But I sat down in twenty thirteen and I I wrote a short story, which is something I had not done in a long time. And when I had that short story, I started thinking about, huh, well this is something I could do that won't cost me any money because I'm paying back all of this business debt <laughs> and maybe it could become something in the future. But I enjoy it. It's fun it is a real outlet for me to tell stories and I went to my first author group local author group which was actually full of had some working writers and had produced a lot of like actually folks that had gone on to win awards and whatnot and kind of ran smack into a wall on what the expectations were around what how how we look at stories and things like that and I spent four years after that basically kind of banging my head against the wall trying to get into magazines and rewriting stories for the group and And kind of going down that path. And I wish that I had maybe run into somebody who was looking at things differently back then. And so if you're a person who is coming new to the business of writing or you just enjoy writing and you're thinking about publishing um, or you're even, you know, we're peers and we're in the same place as far as, you know, now now I am writing full time um, and making most of my living from writing. Um, but there's been a lot of steps to get there. And so that's something I talk about a lot as well, but I probably would have saved myself a lot of heartache and potentially time if I had realized back in 2013, when I first joined that group to really think about, um, what I wanted out of it. <laughs> Cause I kind of let people direct me places that I wasn't sure that I wanted to go. Um, so that's kind of where I come from. But to back up, like one of the things about 2013 is that I thought I knew a lot about writing and publishing. Um, going into the small business was actually kind of a, a sidestep for me to get away from writing and publishing. Um, I've been writing professionally in some capacity since I was uh, a ninth grader. I got, I, my first job as a writer was as a reporter with my small town newspaper, um, covering high school sports. And then I moved into, um, covering local government. I would cover city council. I did a lot of advertorial as far as going out and interviewing people for kind of extended advertising sections and things like that. Um, until I went to school for as to study journalism, but I actually ended up kind of sidestepping into magazine. I spent before that, I spent a year being a columnist for our local daily newspaper, the register guard. And then, um, and then I ended up, working with a group of uh students to st- we started a magazine. So basically it was a color cover, newsprint interior um kind of lifestyle magazine around our local area and we did stories, um you know, photo shoots, advertising, we sold advertising, the whole deal. And basically did that until we all graduated and then that was that was kind of it. Um at that point the story might have been that I was going to go try and get a job somewhere as a writer, but I had I joined the army when I was 17 um, to get to go to college, <laughs> and at the time, nobody really told me about the existence of ROTC. So I enlisted as a medic in the Army Reserve, went through basic training, and all that good stuff. Then found out about ROTC and got an ROTC scholarship. So while I was doing this other stuff, I was also in ROTC in college. I was drilling for the first like two years of school, um, and then ended up going in active duty as a lieutenant. Um, in air defense in the army so that was a shift for me and I was in, at Fort Bliss for four years then and with deployments from there to Kuwait and Saudi and then went to uh, Germany for four years after that and we deployed all over the place because it was both a NATO and a force Com unit I was in so we did a bunch of stuff that was NATO related and then also um, deployed as far as uh, as part of OIF-1 um and I ended up weirdly I went to Turkey first because we were going to provide the air defense uh for the movement of forces through Turkey into northern Iraq and then when that didn't happen we ended up redeploying to Israel because that was my unit's primary responsibility was the air defense of Israel and so I sat in Tel Aviv um for the rest of <laughs> the rest of that deployment um and Tel Aviv is a weird place to be uh hanging out behind a perimeter when you're watching folks in bikinis um and, you know, hanging out in their balconies in the high-rise apartments right next to you. <laughs> um, but that was an experience. Anyway, I, so that whole time, um, while I was on active duty, I was still writing, still trying to be a writer. And one of the things I did was work with some other folks to start a small press. And so we did that from 2000 until um, it finally ended in 2009. I got out of the Army in 2005. And we were doing mostly kind of literary stuff like if you're familiar with McSweeney's.net, like we were doing things that were kind of like online humor and then kind of taking that what, what had been online and putting it in print and at the time not a lot of people were doing that so we would um we started out just doing like saddle stapled kind of things and mailing you know selling it through the website mailing it out to people um and then we moved to doing web press and printing um perfect bound trade paperbacks And this was at the very beginning of being able to like sell your own stuff on amazon and so we were selling things on amazon and at live events we'd work with a lot of authors that were like really savvy about doing a live event and selling books at the event and that's kind of how we would basically just cover costs and because i was making enough money um you know in the army i wasn't really concerned about making money until i got out of the army and um continued trying to do it and did publish for about three more years. I think I finally stopped in 2008 um, because I just, I was running up credit card bills. I was not making the sales through Amazon to cover what we needed. And this was like right before the Kindle took off. Like maybe if I, if I had stuck with it a bit longer, we could have hit like Kindle at the very beginning, but you know, back then nobody really realized that was going to happen. And so, so yeah. And I also, got really involved in the editing and the publishing side of it. And I wasn't writing. And as a person who kind of started as a writer, I think it's really easy to get involved in those things and not continue pushing yourself to write. Um, and it almost becomes easier to do that because writing is kind of constant um, rejection, right? <laughs> Depending either from readers or from people you're trying to submit to or things like that. And, and if you're the publisher, you never get rejected. Right. So, um, So anyway, I had hit a point, like I learned a ton from that and we published some fun, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a really interesting progression. And as I look back on it, it's, it's really interesting to me that at the time we didn't see that Kindle was coming. Like we would published actually a lot of things in PDF, um, but those were things that we kind of just gave away. So, um, if, if we'd made that step, like maybe I would be in a very different place than I am now, but I stopped doing that. And I I shifted to wanting to find something that would make money. <laughs> I wanted the idea of running a small business. I really enjoyed that. Um, and in Oregon, where I am at least back then, and and it's funny because they still talk about like the the micro distillery revolution here in Oregon. And there are some people that are that are killing it. Um, I thought the market for you know crafted um, vodka and whiskey and things like that would be much bigger. And now I look back and I realize that. You know, the next time you go to a bar, if we ever do go to bars again, <laughs> count how many beers a person might drink in a night versus how many mixed drinks or even, um, you know, a shot of whiskey they might have. And you get an idea of the scale of something I just wasn't seeing. Like, it's a lot harder to get somebody to buy a bottle of whiskey than it is to get them to try a beer and buy a six pack. Like the whiskey at the cheapest you can price it is maybe going to be 26 to $30. You know, a six pack is much cheaper than that, even if it's still considered expensive. So you don't see what you don't see. Right. I thought that was going to make, um, make money. It didn't. (laughs) And in 2013, that's where I found myself. And, and so I really took a step back from kind of everything I knew, but I was going to that, that local writing group. And I've been really fortunate even where I am, um, to like have writers be really generous to, to help me out and give me advice um, I was incredibly fortunate to get to do some workshopping with Kate Wilhelm, who, if you're familiar with the history of SF, science fiction, she and Damon Knight started the Clarion Workshop, which is now you know, very popular for the, the trad pub side of things. Um, but everybody that was kind of doing that, like there were a lot of folks that had been successful with traditional publishing, but one of the things I kind of noticed was that nobody was making um, – like, most everybody would be writing but still had some kind of their job on the side or was still, you know – like, there nobody was making a living as a writer <laughs> except a very, a very few people. Um, and that was something that became really clear to me. Like, if I looked – I wasn't super excited about the career that I was in because I was still working a day job that kind of shifted over time. Um, but it became clear that I was never going to leave the day job trying to publish through um, – The traditional means, like, you know, submit to magazines, get rejected, submit again, write something new, um, try and level up until you get a book contract. And even then, folks that had book contracts, because I had a couple of good friends that I think are highly accomplished and have all the things that you'd like to have, from book contracts, multiple book contracts, to, you know, movie rights and things like that. And it's still a struggle. Um, And so I realized probably about, I guess, 2016, I was really researching deep into kindle and uh indie publishing and things like that and i published a couple books on my own and i think the thing that i didn't understand was how if you're going to write a book that's a promise that you're making to a reader and also if you're going to start a series like everybody was talking about series um readers want a whole like they want a finished story it doesn't necessarily even have to be a finished series but they want the whole story and you're making a promise to them that you're going to do that And I was not good at making that promise. (laughs) So in 2017, I actually was fortunate enough to run into Mal Cooper, who writes Aeon 14. And she was, I think, like six books into Aeon 14 at that time. And she was looking for other authors to potentially work with her. And so I ended up unpublishing everything that I had done on Amazon, which was not significant anyway, and wrote a prequel series for her that, um, was one of the earliest things to come in the series of Aeon 14. And that really helped me out. Cause a lot of folks still, if they come into Aeon 14, which now has over a hundred books in that series, they always want to go back to the beginning to read, you know, what was at the, the beginning of the story. And so that like working with Mal, I learned a lot about really focusing on the reader and the audience and what they want and always fulfilling the promise to the audience so that if you're telling a story or you're setting something up in the story, there's going to be a payoff that's going to work out for them so that they have a, they have a good ride. And I think some kind of bad advice I'd gotten from the author groups that I've been going to was, was still that sort of literary mindset or that idea of like pushing the field forward to do something new that nobody's seen before. Um, well, that's cool if you can pull that off, but I think it's not always satisfying to a reader. And if a reader paid for your story, they want to be satisfied and they will reward you when they're satisfied and like your characters and like your story, you know, and that's what they want. And so I, I kind of shifted my mindset about a lot of things. Like now when I think about my ideal reader, I actually envision like a person sitting in the break room at some retail store, like reading on their phone who just wants a break to have something fun, to get their mind away from the, the other crap they're having to deal with um, for just a few chapters, like for 15 minutes, and then they're going to go back to work and have a good time, right? That's what I think about. <laughs> and so um, those have been some big shifts for me. And so in 2013, those are things that I I did not know. And I thought I just had very different ideas about what I wanted out of writing, but I did know that I enjoyed writing. And it was something that I'd always felt, I was good at, but different things in my life had kind of led me away from it. So, so that's who I am. I mean, since I've come back, I guess after working with Mal, um, we did. You know, I think we're currently on our eleventh book. Yeah, um, in Aon fourteen, we're just about to publish a Fire Upon the Worlds, which is the third book in a five book series that we're doing um, right now. That's going to come out this Sunday, and um, I can tell the story of that book later, but it's taken it's taken a long time. Um in the meantime, last year I published four novels with uh Jeff Cheney, JN Cheney, who does Renegade Star, and also several other really successful series like Ruins of the Galaxy with Chris Hopper. Um he runs variant publications, which kind of flies under the radar, but they do a lot of a lot of great stuff, um kind of online with what Athon is doing. And so we did galactic law, which is kind of a prequel series in the galactic in renegade star. And, and that was, that was a lot of fun. That was actually, um, part of my thought process, which I should also say (laughs) last year in 2020 is when I went full time as an author and, uh, left the day job. And a lot of the previous episodes of this podcast and this year have been talking about challenges in that transition, which is something I talk about a lot. Um, and yeah, and then so going forward, things I'll be talking about, like at least personally, is I have a contract with Athon to do a four book series called Vagabond Space that I'm working on now. The first book in that series is done, and I'll be working next on the next three, three books to finish that out. And then also a series uh, for variant publications, Jeff Cheney, that's going to be under my own name, currently called Galaxy Sword. But I don't know if we'll stick with that name or not. We're, I'm not quite sure. But it's kind of a, a Conan in space, kind of a Star Wars, yet a little more sword and sorcery tone. Like, I'm still sort of figuring that part of it out. Um, so, But I'm just about done with the first book on that. That's what I've been working on uh, this last week to get that finished out. And then I'll continue writing some Anne 14 this year. But my big goal this year is to write a million words. And in my update, I will talk about how I'm making some progress on that. <laughs> But, uh, that's who I am. I guess other things, you know, I have, I have a little weird situation with family. I have an 18 year old who's about to turn 19 who's in college right now and a toddler who's two and a half that, um, was not quite expected. Um, but we're, we're, we're very fortunate to have her. Um, and I married, um, currently my wife is, uh, Holly has taken care of our daughter full time. So that means I'm the the sole breadwinner for the family at the moment. It probably won't stay that way forever, but that definitely figures into my financial decisions and finances are something I think and worry about a lot. (laughs) So that also touches into what goes into this podcast, but I try to be as real and upfront about those things because like I had one podcast just recently called, um, do you really want to go full time? Because I think there's some things, folks, you should think about depending on how you feel about money and how much you may or may not worry about it. Um, (laughs) So I write full-time, but I did recently over Christmas uh, take on a part-time, like it's looking like it's going to be about 20 hours a week, but I can control how much I want to work, delivery courier job with FedEx. And there's a couple reasons for that, but this is the the first time I've taken a job where I actually – I don't have to stay there if I don't want to, and that's been kind of liberating. <laughs> but it's fun to get out of the house to do something physical. Um, it's a very task-oriented job where you just do the thing you need to do, and then you're done. And there's no worried about, no worrying about it. Nobody's gonna die or be hurt or you know burn through a, a million-dollar budget uh, if I screw something up. <laughs> so so that's been fun, and I'm enjoying that so far. Although I am sort of figuring out the nuances of doing like what they want me to do, what I you know really enforcing my boundaries as far as my work, um, because one of the things you'll hear about the story of me is that I have a hard time sometimes like if somebody wants me to do something or help them that's always like my first impulse to go do that like f- with family or whatever as opposed to, no, I need to get these words done today, I'm going to prioritize that and that's something I'm, I'm working through. So, so yeah, that's where I'm at right now. Um, I am, I would say, you know, 75% self-employed and then 25% W2 employee and so I spent a lot of time talking about those kind of things but when I do these kind of discussions I typically like talk through what I did in the previous week like whatever goals I had if I made them or didn't have them didn't meet them what I might have learned have learned and then talk about a few things that I might be thinking about and I don't harp on things I guess to be preachy I don't like to be preachy it's just in explaining things it helps me understand them better and I teaching and training is something that I enjoy a lot it's something I I enjoyed from my day job that I kind of you know miss a little bit um, but I also don't pretend that I'm a hundred percent right and I also sometimes get to talking fast and will mix up words so if I say something that doesn't make sense to you or I'm just flat-out wrong I am fully open to feedback and hearing what you think, so you can always email me at james at jamesarron dot net, or I guess uh, you know Josh and Scott and crew might not realize they're opening th- themselves up on the Facebook group to uh, <laughs> new sets of of criticism. Um, but yeah, I'm always happy to hear it, happy to talk about anything. So you know, always hit me up because my goal here is to be helpful. Like I'm kind of helping myself, but I hope to give you a leg up as well. You know, as we're as we're talking through this journey because one of the thing one of the big lessons that i've learned like when i think back on that original writing group is that they were still and continue in a lot of ways to work on a model that came about in the 19, you know, 20s almost like write a story, submit to a magazine, get rejected, try and please an editor, you know, figure out that editor, get your story bought and then, you know, build up credit as you get more stories bought to try and get a um, either an agent or a book deal or something like that. Well, that is not the wor- the publishing world that we live in today. And that's something I want to talk about, um, or I will talk about more in the podcast. It, it changes. And if, if I'm saying something to you that sounds completely new, or you might still want that publishing deal to kind of give you validation that you are a writer, um, you know, that's cool. And I'm not going to tell you that that's not a bad goal to have. Um, I would tell you that if you write and you tell stories and people read those stories and maybe not even people don't even have to read them. You, you wrote it, you are a writer, right? That's the definition. Um, But the market has changed and it continues to change every day. That's driven by technology, by how people live. Just this past year, we've seen an explosion in the people buying and using e-readers. And while you might hear a lot of doom and gloom about publishing and people that Published primarily on you know in paper books and things like that e-readers and e-books have been through the roof because people that were holdouts finally figured out they can have a story immediately and read it on their phone which in a lot of ways is almost the size of a kindle um, or they can you know get a kindle and have that experience wherever they are and that you know, as much as we might gripe about Amazon, they have made that process of getting entertainment so seamless for people that like to read that a lot of people that never read before are now really, you know, hooked into reading. And, you know, one of the things is we see people that, you know, the backlash against social media and the idea of kind of mental clutter in people's lives and wanting to cut down on that. Well, something that is almost a meditation in itself or a thing that helps you focus is reading and uh, people are always coming back to reading, you know, people I've heard a lot of different statistics, but basically I, the the one that I do believe is that we have not yet completely opened the door on, you know, digital services for reading to help people read. And, and it continues to change, you know, it was mostly selling eBooks either directly or through, you know, Amazon, Amazon has been the big player. Well, now we're we're seeing a shift towards subscription services. And I guess my point is that this is a market that continues to change and I don't pretend that I know everything because there's always some new bit of information or some new thing that someone has tried that if at first you're like, yeah, I don't know about that, but then you hear more people talking about it or you see it yourself. Um, don't be afraid to you know, give that a chance, but, but that's something I didn't know back in 2013. And I think old models of doing things, if you're, if you're not willing to at least open your mind and listen, you could find yourself spinning your wheels and something I didn't touch on back in 2013 that I was always very aware of was the fact that, um, you know, I'm 45 years old now and I had reached the point where I, if I really wanted to do this professionally, I didn't have a lot of time unless I was going to do what a lot of people do and that's fine, but continue working the day job until you get to a place where you can retire. And then that's your main income source is your retirement and you write on the side. Well, I didn't want to wait that long. (laughs) So when I started looking around at people who said they were writing full time making a good living and writing the stories they wanted to tell as fast as they wanted to tell it like yeah i'm interested tell me more so so okay if that sounds interesting to you that's what this podcast is about (laughs) and it's also an interview podcast i i love doing interviews i love talking to people um so there'll be interviews things like that and then also the personal updates so, so let's go ahead and get into it. Cause we're already at the, uh, the 26 minute mark. I try to keep these under an hour. I know that, you know, I've been following some podcasts that just seem to be getting longer and longer. Um, and I, as much as I love them, I don't have time to listen to a three hour podcast. Um, but so I try, I try and keep it around an hour, maybe sometimes a little bit longer, maybe a little bit shorter, but that's what you can pretty much expect. So, okay. Last week, the thing that I am really excited about sharing, cause I feel like I've kind of cracked a code with this and it wasn't me actually, it was my friend, Jeff Haskell who writes, um, he writes primarily superhero, but he's working on a, a really cool kind of David Weber esque, um, military science fiction slash, um, space opera for Athon books and, uh, called Grimm's war. But anyway, Jeff has been live streaming his writing sessions and I had heard of people doing this before, you know, and I'm like, and Mal has also been doing it, but she's kind of leading more like a sprint session where folks come hang out and she leads sprinting while she writes and, um, I had never given it a shot and I thought, okay, I'll give this a shot. And in some of the previous episodes, I talked about some different things I was thinking about with YouTube or doing stuff on YouTube, maybe, maybe even making this show, like having a video component. And I decided not to do that because it was just taking too much headspace to try and do both of those things, you know? Um, but I, I fussed around with OBS is, or is it OSB? No, it's OBS um open broadcasting let's take a look at this this um well streamlabs obs is the application that i i kind of landed on and that's the one that jeff had recommended and it basically uses open broadcasting system i think i can't remember what the s stands for which is an open open source um application that runs on linux windows or apple um streamlabs only runs on windows and apple but basically it makes it so that you can easily broadcast to different services um, both a screen capture and then if you've got like a webcam or i'm using a canon m50 um, dslr that i've got a, a program that captures that and then i, I can stream it through um, stream labs and it makes it really easy to have my window up on the screen, a picture of me frowning at the screen as I write. <laughs> and then I kind of forcefully make the the screen large enough where you can see what I'm writing so that if I stop writing, it's apparent that I've stopped writing. <laughs> and I don't have any, like, I don't pretend that people are sitting there reading as I'm actually writing. Um, something that did jump out at, at me as I watched Jeff do his stream was the way that we write in kind of similar ways where we would write something out, erase it write again. You know, as we're kind of like, you can watch the person think through it as they're writing as they kind of change word choice, um, stuff like that. I do try to say in the, in the streams that I'm, I'm definitely rough drafting. So I don't spend a lot of time on word choice and things like that. I'm just trying to get the story out. Um, but long story short, I've only, let's see, I'm on my fifth one cause I'm going to stream today as well. And I've been killing it with the word counts. Like it's really helped me in my struggles to stay focused and not like I could watch it happen in a cycle. Like I would get into whatever I was writing. Um, I would write about, you know, 200 to 500 words kind of reach the end of that little bit of story and then click off to something else. Like let's go read Reddit for a while or let's go read the news or let's go check up on Facebook, you know, and, and before I, n- I know it, like, 30 minutes have gone by and I've only actually produced 500 words (laughs) when, when I stream like this and it kind of keeps me focused and on task, I've been consistently writing 4,000 words in two hours, which is awesome for me anyway. Um, And so for that goal I had of writing a million words a year, um, one of the things I was running into is like a lot of inconsistency in my daily word counts. And if you're going to make that goal, you need to write, uh, I think it's 2,740 words a day to, to make a million in a year. And that's not, you know, it doesn't seem insurmountable. This is only January. But I broke that down into monthly goals. That's 83,333 words in a month. And when you can see that if you start slipping, like it already starts adding up. And you can see where, you know, I could get to the last three days of the month and need to write 10,000 words a day because I didn't, I didn't keep up, you know. So it, consistency is, I think, the key to make that goal happen. And this is really helping me do it. Um, so I'm excited. I kind of put a couple extra roadblocks in the way, I think, because I, three days I got up early at like 5 a.m., and I streamed from 5 until 7 a.m., which I really liked that because it felt like I had accomplished my main task for the day before the day even started, and so I felt really good. But at least for my current life, like with the toddler waking us up all night and not being able to get to bed until, you know, 11 at the earliest. Um that's been pretty tough a couple of days. So, I feel like maybe I'm putting too much pressure on myself with that. But when I can make that happen, it it feels really good. So, we'll see if I continue getting up early. Um I do seem to get more engagement on the feed when I get up early and put it on Facebook because I've been sharing the the link to Facebook and maybe just more people are are doing stuff on Facebook at that time. Um but one kind of cheat cuz I realized this i would open the the you know open youtube in another window and have it playing so that i kind of get a monitor and i can hear myself because i put music in the background as well um and hear myself talking well i kept thinking like oh i've got at least one viewer who's checking in with me like that's cool and then i realized that one viewer was just me <laughs> so like so i didn't feel as cool about that but you know you'll see another person pop in they leave um I think it's a little better, like, if somebody does pop in to watch, they don't feel like they have to stay or anything because they're the only viewer, you know, by doing that. So so that's fine. But one thing I've also noticed is that more people are coming back to watch the streams, or at least kind of, like, click through them or whatever. I, I don't really think anybody's watching them the whole time um, on the channel than I would have expected. So that's, that's interesting. And I'm curious to see, like, what this is going to mean over time, you know, especially as I generate more... Um, you know, more of them going on, like, yeah, so, so I don't know, we'll, we'll see how that goes, but for now it's working really well, and as far as word count goes, last week I wrote, um, what was it, eight eighteen thousand 18,000 words, um, gotta grab my notes here, um, yeah, 18,228 words, which is awesome, and if you're part of the, um, the Keystro-Rymo, uh, shared doc on Google Docs, that where we're all tracking our word counts, um, you can see where we're at. And I'm not even at the head of the pack with that number. So that's that's pretty inspiring. Um, if you want to be part of that, you can just uh, check in with Josh Hayes through the uh, the Facebook group um, or shoot me a message and I can try and coordinate it. Mainly it's just it's not an open Google Doc. So we want to keep uh, kind of a, a lid on that so we don't get you know people in there destroying things. So what else happened last week? I uploaded my print novel workbook, the science fiction novel workbook <laughs> that uh, I've been working on for a couple of weeks now. And no sooner did I upload it and it was approved than I realized there was a mistake where I hadn't updated the table of contents. <laughs> and what's funny is I'm, I still don't really know if there's value to having a table of contents in this document. But there it was and I did not update it. So there was some weird microsoft word um unknown file language in that part of it and but i had to wait for it to be approved before i could upload a fixed version and one of the reasons i wanted to do this which i think i've talked about before was i just in working with having other folks publish my work i have not had my head in the kdp dashboard for for years now so this was an opportunity to jump in and do that and I hadn't realized how long it would take to actually do the print, the print book, you know, ebook, like usually it takes, they'll say it can take up to 72 hours, but it happens a lot faster. Well, it's really seems to be taking 72 hours to get that print book approved. And so it was finally approved. I uploaded the new version and now I'm waiting for it to be um, ready before I, I talk about it a whole lot. But like I said before I think my goal with this book it's an eight and a half by 11 workbook that's just full of all the things I think through when it comes to planning a novel because I wanted to have something kind of offline that I could sit down focus on just to work on characters world building plot and then part of this goal of getting to a million words a year is I know that when I know what I want to write I'll write it and Part of this last book I've been working on, I had a really detailed outline that is something I've learned from variant publications that has really helped me out. But as long as I have that, boom, I write the words. And so I want to be able to do that with all my books going forward. And this is a tool I made to do that. And I figured, well, why not get it printed through Amazon because it'll be cheap and I can also make it available. (laughs) So it's like five bucks a copy. I managed to get it down to where it's just going to be five bucks. And I don't know that you can buy any notebook except maybe at the dollar store for cheaper than that. And this one has the specialized info, but basically it's got all the stuff you would do to map out, you know, your characters, your world building, locations, um, ships, things like that. You may want to get a little more detailed on adding stuff like battle blocking. Um, I don't know. That's one of the things I was excited to be able to update this as I go. But anyway, there's enough. There's basically a page for every thousand word scene that you might have in the book to map out an 80,000 word novel, which is what I tend to write. And then some things about like the book launch, uh, some stuff to help you write the author's note, the blurb, things to help you kind of study what exact category on Amazon you're aiming at and what the top books in that category might be to help make sure you're hitting the tropes. And And if you're not going to hit the tropes, at least what you need to be aware of when it comes to how that's going to look for your marketing. And so, so that's what I'm aiming at. And once I get that done, I think I'll do a version for Fantasy as well. Um, but I need to get it through the approval process so I can order some hard copies. Because <laughs> actually, I, I want to use it on Vagabond Space um, as I get those done. So so that was a big thing to get done last week. I'm pretty excited about that. And what else? Yeah, the words are just what I'm most excited about. The fact that I got eight, you know almost 20,000 words in a week is a pretty big deal for me. The, the only times that I've really done those many words in that same amount of time was when I was maybe working on a novella and I had that same sort of arc where you get to the midway point and it's all kind of downhill. So you're just getting the words out like really quickly. Um, that's when I I tend to do well. And again, I think it comes back to knowing what I want to write or where the story is going to go. And it's just a matter of, of getting there. Um, other things I got a newsletter out that actually went out last night, but the stars kind of aligned as far as, um, Variant just rolled out a box set for Galactic Law and has that at 99 cents. And then in AN-14, two of the, the previous novels in the current series were at 99 cents, getting ready for the uh, the launch this Sunday. So sent that out and also added an update asking for beta readers because I've been kind of remiss in get, having my beta reader team um, running like they're supposed to. So I'm excited. I already have some fo- you know several more than I expected um <laughs> send me uh you know notes saying they wanted to be in the in the beta team so that's cool. Uh one thing to take a look at that I ran into is you know I use Gmail for most all of my mail and I've ranted about Google before and I guess this is just yet another reason like as you're thinking about your own email marketing but then even about your own email like I I had been looking for an email that I wasn't sure if I'd received or not so I was going back through my spam folder and I found a bunch of stuff in there where Google has gotten very aggressive about labeling things as spam that I never would call spam. Like it might be marketing. It might be, you know, a newsletter or something from an author that I haven't opened. But there were some responses in there from readers that wanted to be on the beta team. There was one email from a reader that, for whatever reason, Google decided it was spam and didn't even show it to me. And that's frustrating because there have been times when I just deleted my spam folder because I didn't want to deal with it, you know. Pretty much anymore if something gets labeled promotions within Gmail, like that's been pretty good. And I just delete those if they're not interesting to me. Um, But yeah, I was very surprised by that. So if you, you might just take a peek in your spam folder and make sure Google isn't um, aggressively getting rid of things that you may not have been looking at for whatever reason. And you could be surprised. (laughs) So... So yeah, it's it's felt like a very productive week. Typically, you know, the second week of July would be when that dip sets in where you might not be accomplishing the things that you really wanted to be accomplishing. You didn't make it to the gym. You didn't get up on time. And I'm feeling a mix of those things because I'm realizing that, okay, maybe I didn't get up on time, but I still was able to accomplish the goal that I wanted to accomplish. And I sent out a newsletter, which is something I haven't done in like four months. So one of my goals is definitely to be more consistent with the, the newsletter. Consistency is the, uh, the most important thing in my career right now. Consistency will make me successful. I, I know that. <laughs> I tell myself that over and over again. Okay, and that kind of helps me transition to the thing that I wanted to talk about a little bit now that I've, I've bloviated for the better parts of 40 minutes on, on myself part of this podcast why I do this why I like to interact with other authors is something I learned from a friend of mine named Kristen Ammerman who is one of the editors for Deep Magic that's Jeff Wheeler's fantasy magazine that is mostly clean um, I think their their main submission guidelines are is is that it should not be grimdark and should not have gratuitous sex I think I have not tried to submit, but I have read several of Jeff Wheeler's novels and enjoyed them. But um, Kristen has like her main thing is Instagram and Twitter if you want to follow her. But she has a lot of anytime Deep Magic is accepting submissions, she'll post about it. But she also has her own work that she is a really good model to take a look at sort of building organic growth for for your work. And she's also not a rapid release author. So. She's got a lot of good stuff on how to keep people engaged when you're not getting things out there, you know, month by month by month. And again, that's Kristen Ammerman, to M's. But anyway, she gave a class once that I attended that I actually didn't think I was going to learn anything from. Sorry, Kristen, if you ever hear this. But <laughs> I came away actually thinking about it quite a bit. And it was about basics of PR as an author and the concept of like, no, and trust. And what that basically means is how you want to get people to think about you when they think about you and how you can do that over time. It's kind of tied to, I think, the idea that, you know, in sales, you typically don't sell something unless you've touched a person at least seven times. So most advertising that people might see, they need to see at least seven advertisements and they'll make a buying decision. Well, same kind of thing with your I think this actually applies to everything, but also your career as an author and in both getting like your networking as an author and then also how readers feel about you. And there's kind of two sides to this. So, you know, like, know, and trust. Um, Do people like you? Do they feel that they know enough of you to then trust you? And Are they going to trust you either with a buying decision that when they buy your book, they'll get what they want or what the promise was. And if you, if they're another writer, do they trust you enough to maybe work with you or, you know, do they respond when you ask them questions or do they invite you to take part in projects? Um, All of those things that are kind of like building up your cred within the community. Right. (laughs) And for me, this also comes back to consistency over time because one of the things that we've seen in this industry, at least on the indie side, where things change so rapidly, people burn out rapidly. And for me, one of my goals is to have a long-term, you know, sustainable career. So I get to keep doing what I want to do and making choices I want to make, you know, write the things I want to write, have fun, um, but do it over time in a sustainable way. Well, developing that, that like, know, and trust is a way that I do that and so if you're a brand new writer how how can you do that Um, you know a lot of people are are not liking Facebook but I think there's an opportunity on Facebook right now for places that I don't wanna say are apolitical but are very focused and this is really no different than the way any public space used to be you know I mean what's what's the rule of going to a bar right no politics (laughs) like we go to a bar to complain about our jobs and talk about sports and maybe try and hit on people, right? <laughs> or, I don't know, or have have mutual public relations of that matter, of that manner. So Facebook and social media in general should kind of be the same way. So what are you providing to folks that that gives them an escape from what is already difficult in their lives? They don't want to come to you to find more things that are difficult. Not to say that there certainly aren't things you should advocate for, you know, in the world if, if that's necessary, but my primary work as a writer is as an entertainer and to help people feel good about their lives and have a little bit of an escape and so that's what i want to give them and that's the the thing that i'm offering when i interact with people on social media so places that you know provide that that where folks can talk about science fiction or talk about things that are pretty positive you know that's what people want in their lives i think those things are going to really succeed on social media and so if you can provide things like that if you know if somebody's already doing that and you interact with them in a meaningful way, well, you're kind of helping them with their, their project, but you're also kind of helping yourself, right? And, and you don't have to be totally self-serving about it, but if you've got a writer that you enjoy and they have a Facebook page or they have a small Facebook group, by interacting there in an authentic way, by sharing things that are authentic and not just generic shares that you see on Facebook, like having actual interactions with people or actual discussions, like how many times in your life have you had a, a meaningful conversation with somebody at a bar that never went anywhere, but was just a great conversation. Well, you, you remember that you hang on to it. It's a good, it's a good memory associated with that place. Well, social media can do that same thing and has kind of gotten away from that, but it's a way that you can develop those, those relationships that people then tend to want to spend more time with you. Right? So, so that's something you can do. Like, and I, that's actually one of the reasons I really enjoy the keystroke medium group is because it's a positive group focused on, you know, kind of a niche of writers and readers, you know, mostly around military science fiction. I could be generalizing there, but it also tends to be a positive place to hang out and people lift each other up and they have positive conversations. So if you can do that through your interactions with people, they will come to know and like you and then therefore trust you. Um, And in a time when we can't really meet face to face, the, you know, social media is kind of our tool to do that you can do it through discord as well. I think it's a little harder on discord because you don't have that aspect of the profile where you can take a look at a person and figure out if they exist or not. But, but from there it's, it's purely through conversation. Like, am I part of the conversation? Am I showing up? Am I interacting in a way that is helpful and friendly and I'm not being a jerk? Um, you know, that's a, that's a good way to help build that. And discord has an interesting, is interesting because I've, I've wondered sometimes like you'll come into discord and I don't have a lot of time to check discord servers, um, as much as I would like. And you'll see where certain people, like I won't say dominate the conversation because depending on the server, like there might just not be a lot of conversation. So it looks like one person is doing all the talking, but you can get a sense of at least see their name. Um, and then the other thing to think about, if you're a writer and you kind of want people to click through and figure out who you are, what, links are you putting in your social media so they can get a sense of who you are you know if i look at your facebook profile can i see immediately that you're a writer that you maybe have some books i can go find what are your links and it doesn't have to be like in people's faces like i'm not a huge fan of giant like seeing somebody's profile that's nothing but book advertisements but you know seeing that like if your header is tastefully like here are some books that i've written like boom that person's a writer like it's easy to see easy to see that I'm not super great at that. I'll admit (laughs) I tend to change that stuff up and not really worry about it, but I've also sort of mixed the line between my Facebook thing. I transitioned over from my personal Facebook. I had originally to pretty much just using my author profile just because it was much more positive for me on Facebook to have that than all the old crap that was associated with my other profile. Um, So, (laughs) I probably should do a better job of making my Facebook profile plainly say I'm a writer. So if somebody sees me interacting in a group somewhere and they click on my profile, they know who I am. Um, but that's how you, that's how you develop that know, like, and trust over time. And something that, you know, when you, when you look at for readers, are you making like this gets a little bit deeper as far as if they see you just have like four book ones and you're not finishing series, you just keep jumping from idea to idea to idea. Like that's cool, but they might not be as willing to trust you because they don't like what you're doing. (laughs) They have come to know you and it's, it's kind of a negative response, right? So something to think about, what are you doing that helps inspire that trust in people, either in showing up and taking part in conversations and then in your work, as far as making a promise to readers and fulfilling it, and being there consistently. Um, that's part of that. Someone might publish something or be really excited about writing, and then they kind of fall off the map. And in a world now where we don't, even if you had a publishing deal, you, it's very unlikely that you would have any kind of marketing department to help you. It's still on you to be the one that has consistent marketing so that you know readers look at whatever it is you're putting on social media or out there in the world, and it doesn't look like a wasteland. And again, I'm not going to pretend I'm perfect at this because every time I think about my website, I'm like, ah, I need to find a better way to make my website evergreen content or make it point to the places where I am sort of putting things out there in the world on a, on a consistent basis. So, so something to think about, what are you doing that helps people know, like, and trust you? Because one thing I'll end with on that idea is that most of the publishing opportunities that have come to me in my life have come through, networking with other writers or editors or publishers um i have been fortunate enough to get some things through the slush pile you know as as they say but more often than not it comes from people who knew me or saw my name somewhere or a writer acquaintance said hey you should ask james to take part in this as well and and also if you're putting on an anthology i would love to submit let me know (laughs) i love to take part in things like that um but that's where those things have come from. And people already know that in a way you produce work, you're a professional, you're serious about what you do, but you're also a nice person who is easy to work with and is focused on the readers. I think that's already kind of knocked out 60% of a lot of writers out there who don't kind of understand that about today's market. So, so things to think about. What are you doing to help people know, like, and trust you um, as you move into 2021? So, for me, it's uh, doing this podcast consistently, and I'm really excited to be part of Keystroke Medium now. And I hope that I can contribute to the community in a in a helpful way. I'm not doing a live show, so if there's anything different or uh, I don't know unique you'd like to see about a a non-live podcast, <laughs> let me know. So, all right, I typically close the show with um, if anybody asks me questions, I would answer questions and then talk about my goals for next week. I am continuing the live streams. I want to live stream every day. It might not be in the mornings because one concession I've had to make is I, I want to make sure I'm getting at least seven hours of sleep. And if, if for whatever reason I'm up until 11, you know, or even midnight taking care of the toddler, um, I'm, I just know I'm not going to be able to get up at 4am to do that work. And maybe I should, maybe I got to rethink that, but I think I can, I, fortunately had the flexibility in my day where even if i do go throw packages for fedex for you know four hours in the morning i can come back for the rest of the day and do some work i just got to sit down and do that now i may learn something about live casting where I, I don't know if it's really better to do it at a consistent time every day my feeling is that it probably is but right now i just need to get get it done and then we'll go back and take a look at like where i got better stats and and whatnot so, cause my main goal with this is just to increase word counts. It's not helping me if more people watch the live stream. <laughs> my main thing is like, I would love it if it helps other people. Like if it motivates them to sit down and do a sprint while I'm writing, then that's cool. Or I, I am trying to talk about the stories cause it's helping me kind of talk through different scenes as I'm writing them. So that might be useful to some folks and uh, you know, I don't know. We'll see. So do that. Um, once, the the novel workbook is approved in the Amazon store. I'm gonna order three copies of that so I can jump into like once I finish this first draft of Galaxy Sword One, I'm gonna to need to jump into jump back into um, my outlining for Vagabond Space because I need to roll right into the the writing for that. I've got a deadline of April 30th for those for three more books, and there's plenty of time to get that done. But I need to jump right into Getting that, getting those plotted and getting them written, so that I have enough time, because I want to, I want to give myself plenty of time to read back through. And this is the first time I'll have been able to kind of edit a series all at once, which was something I was excited about with this, with this contract. So, it it never fails. Like when you write a book one, even book two, publish it, you get to book three, and you're like, oh man, I wish I could have done this differently, or I wish I could have changed this scene to set this up, you know, later on in the series, because that would have made me look like a genius, right? So I would love to look like a genius and uh, be able to do do that all at once. So we'll see how that goes, but I definitely have to hit those daily word counts to make sure that's going to happen. And I've got sand in the sandbox to, to go back and and manipulate. So, so yeah, basically that order, get those ordered. Um, I am going to need to do another newsletter because with the launch for fire upon the worlds on Sunday, I'll want to send out an update on that. And then as I've, I've been asking for beta readers in these last few, um, newsletters of mine. And so I need to get kind of a consistent response out to everybody with what a timeline might look like for for the rest of the year. Since these are kind of like super fans who are helping me out, I need to make sure that I'm giving them a lot of good information and they, they feel taken care of. And I think that's it for now. Um, I, one thing I have coming up this week that I don't know if I'm actually going to do anything with it is, you know, when I took this job working, being self-employed, one of the things that I, I, maybe I'll talk about this in another podcast, but I, I actually enjoy doing, doing different kinds of jobs. And so last year, actually, I applied to be a park ranger with the Bureau of Land Management because I thought that would be neat. And I know they're like, they're part-time jobs. Um, I didn't hear anything about it. And it's like this for the government, right? You don't hear anything for months. And then all of a sudden you get a you get a response. Well, I have a, a phone interview with them on Thursday. And the main thing is that I, don't want to work any more than 20 hours a week. That's pretty much a hard boundary for me. Um, I think if I was doing the math right, the BLM job pays pretty well. Like it pays more than FedEx, but it's temporary. And it also sounds like they call, they call it a park ranger when they should be calling it a general laborer. (laughs) One of the standouts in their position description was that you have to be willing to clean toilets, which I'm not above cleaning toilets. Um, Cleaning toilets in a I like a, like a campground is certainly not my favorite. Um, but the idea of like doing trail conservation and leading interpretive groups and doing that kind of cool stuff. You imagine a park ranger doing like that was in the job description, but as I've done more research, I don't think this job does that. So anyway, um, I'll have more info about that and what that looks like. But, um, my, my priority always is to my, my writing and my family. So I may have to say no to that, but we'll see, we'll see how it goes. I have not applied for a government type job in a long, long time. So I'll be curious what, uh, how that goes and I'll keep you posted. So, so yeah. Um, thanks very much for listening. I'm really excited to be on the new network and as always, um, I'm open to your thoughts. So either hit us up in the Facebook group, the discord, or send me an email at james at jamesarron.net. So, all right, until next time, I will talk to you later.